again, welcome to the Sacred Sea Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life. And one of the most important aspects of our life is our doctrine, what we believe about God. When we get our doctrine wrong, we get our understanding of God wrong or our understanding of ourself or understanding of salvation, then that's going to play out. Um, what we believe affects how we live our life. Mm-hmm. It affects our feelings. It affects our thoughts. It affects um, the way that we live our life, the way we teach our children, um, the way that we work in our workplace, all of these things. So it's important for us to be continually coming back to the Word of God and having the Word of God transform our thinking, transform our mind. And so on this segment of the podcast, we call Theology for Everyone. We are working our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith, and we're trying to think about some things that that many folks just uh, don't spend enough time thinking about. Mm. Specifically today, we're on chapter 19 of the Law of God. Many Christians that I have met misunderstand our relation to the Law of God. Many pastors and preachers haven't been trained on this, and they say things that are not helpful from the pulpit. And uh, it, it negatively affects um, their people. So we want to go back to the Westminster Confession and look at that today on the podcast. I've got our pastor of discipleship, Rob Spikestra. Hello, folks. And I have my personal assistant, Kevin Knorr. Hey, guys. And that's all of it. That's all of us today. Um, so we're going to jump right in and uh, see if we can get this going. Chapter 19 of the Law of God. God gave to Adam a law as a covenant of works by which he bound him and all his posterity to personal, entire, exact, and perpetual obedience, Mm -hmm. promised life upon the fulfilling and threatened death upon the breach of it and endued him with power and ability to keep it. Okay? So... This, if you don't come from a more reformed background, this will be completely new to you. If you come from more of a Baptistic background, more independent, a more uh, you know evangelical free type of church, you probably have never heard of this. What the, what the Westminster divines here are calling is a covenant of works. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think today the more common vernacular would be a covenant of creation, the covenant of creation. Just because covenant of works, we can think. We can misinterpret that because we we've been taught so many times that we're under grace and not law. And we're un, and we're not about works; it's about grace. So a covenant of works is, can kind of be confusing. Yeah. Um, so we know what what they're referencing here is when God created Adam and Eve, and He told them, "You can eat of any tree in the garden except for this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat from it." Mm-hmm. That and if you do, you will surely die, right? So, that was a covenant that God made with them. Um, it was a sovereignly administered contract between them and God, right? Sure. Yep. Covenant, sure. like they, he cut. It. He said, "So, so in that law is, if you break it, you will die. If you obey it, you will live, mm-hmm. right?" And God promises to keep that. That covenant. So, so even though the words covenant don't appear until Genesis six, theologians still 
say that this is, yeah. and they say, and I think new new um, theologians say the covenant of creation because God makes a covenant with all of creation, yeah. right? right. Yeah. The sun and everything and, yeah. and, 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 you know, all of that stuff. So, but this is interesting here. It says, God gave to Adam a law as a covenant of works by which he bound him and all his posterity. So this was meant to be for him yep. and for all of his children. Mm. Right. 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 And this and listen, hear, hear what they say here. Bound him and all his posterity to personal, entire, mm. exact, and perpetual obedience. So there, I mean, the, the covenant is you either obey me, personally obey me, entirely, exactly, and perpetually, mm. or you disobey me and you die. That's that's the covenant, right? Um, to to break covenant with a holy God would require death, mm-hmm. right? Judgment. That holy God would have to drive out that evil, drive out that disobedience from his own from his presence, and that would be you and your ultimate destruction. Right. But in this covenant, so he so he's so he's bound. Obedience must be perfect, but he also promised life upon the fulfilling. So we have the negatives, we have the positive side of the law, which is if you obey it, you will live forever. Yeah. And there's actually a whole lot more implied there. You will be perfectly fulfilled. You will be perfectly happy. You're in the presence of God. Good work to do. Good work to do. Fruitful work to do. Fruitful work <laughs> to do. Imagine? Still, <laughs> under this, you would, obviously, they're still already made male and female, so they would still have children. children. They would yep. still have families. They would still be able to flourish and multiply and... And spread across the globe and build. I mean, can you imagine the cities that they could build yeah. without being hindered by sin? Yeah. Right? Yeah, amazing. So yeah. that was the promise. Promise blessing, promise fulfillment, promise life. But if they break it, the promise of death. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and here's the key that we need to understand why, and why many theologians today push away from this idea of covenant of works just because of what gets in our mind. The Westminsters say this. And endued him with power and ability to keep it. Okay. Hmm. So when we think of covenant of, like, we think of, oh, I'm not saved by works. I'm saved by grace. Why do we say that? Because if I, if God just gives me the law right now, Hmm. I don't have the ability to actually do that. Right. Everybody knows. They just say, oh, they say this all the time. Oh, it's human nature. I'm just a human. (laughs) Right? Well, actually, that's fallen human nature that you're talking about. Yeah. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were given the law and given the ability to obey it perfectly. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. They, they could have followed it, yeah. right? Where that is no longer that is no longer the case. Um okay, article 2. This law after his fall continued to be a perfect rule of righteousness and as such was delivered by God upon Mount Sinai in Ten Commandments and written in two tables, the four first commandments containing our duty towards God and the other six, our duty to man. Okay, what the Westminster's uh, divines here are trying to show us is there's continuity between 
the way God made a covenant with Adam and Eve and the requirements of that law with Adam and Eve and the way God revealed the law, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments to Moses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not just the Decalogue, but Moses was given the Ten Commandments. He was given all the case law examples. He was given ceremonial law. He was given civil law. He was given all kind of things, okay? Now, it is interesting. We never, we don't really know. So well, let me let me just say it like this. Jesus summarized the Ten Commandments. How did he summarize the Ten, Ten Commandments? Right? Yeah, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. There okay. you go. Okay, so latent in that, if you understand those two things, mm-hmm. you kind of you should understand the Ten Commandments. Yeah, should be able to okay? work them out. Yeah. But summaries are summaries of something bigger. Bigger. Yeah. Right, and you mm-hmm. still need the bigger thing. Mm-hmm. So, it, so this is interesting to me. The Ten Commandments are basically basically it's the same thing as. Don't eat, eat of the tree of knowledge. Yeah, of good and evil. I, I was wondering about that. I was wondering what is the relationship between these two. I thought that was that's that's interesting that you're bringing that up um, because I, I thought, well, okay, so don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That seems like a simple command. Got it all taken care of. I mean, it, to me, when you first read that, you think, how could they have failed mm-hmm. in this? But I think what you're saying is, is well, really, that's a summation of a of more that that's there. And, and, and if, if, if this is true, that there is a consistency, then what we have in the Ten Commandments would have been, in a sense, true there in the garden, right? Yeah. Is that what we're, Absolutely. what we're getting at? Well, just as we would say, I mean, we teach the golden rule. Yeah. We teach the golden rule. And in one sense, it's so simple. Yeah. It's, it, a, the golden rule is a summation <laughs> of the Ten Commandments. Sure. But when you really dig down into it, you realize it's not that simple. Yeah. And just and don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's that's that wasn't that simple either. Right. Right. And it, and so yes, all and now this is why. The law of God is based in the character of God, mm. the character and the nature of God, right? Mm-hmm. And so, when when no matter what God says, that law is is based. In him, it has its source, its validity in him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't tell us things just arbitrarily or he doesn't make a law just to keep people from killing each other or something. Mm-hmm. He's holy, and so his, ho- law, his law is going to be holy. He's love, so his law is going to be love, right? Mm-hmm. And so that could be said in one little summary, mm-hmm. don't eat from this tree, or that could be said in, the whole book of Leviticus. Yeah. <laughs> All those commands that they yeah, have in Leviticus. Yeah. So when they're in the garden before the fall, there is this, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really asking, in one sense, asking humanity, asking Adam and Eve to trust him, right? It's mm-hmm. faith. Believe in me. Believe in who I am. You said it's out of the character of who he is. So he's telling them, you know, believe in uh in the fact that I am holy, that I am good, I'm, you know, uh, kind, and, and everything else we can think about in terms of the character of God, and trust him with whatever he commands, and so, so there's a dependence, he wants us to be dependent upon him, he wants us to trust him, and it's out of that, um, that relationship that we have with him that life comes, right? There's where, there's where we have, where we have life, and so they, in there, in the garden, they, what did they do? They went independent. I said, no, I think life would be found if I'm independent of you, God, um, and I don't believe you. 
they didn't believe him, so they what do they do? They saw the this this tree, they ate it, and um, we see the we see the fall, and it really becomes the the paradigm of life, right? I mean, mm-hmm. from now on, what do we do? We do the same thing. We say, God, I want to be independent of you, and I don't trust you, I don't believe in you, and what happens to us? We <laughs> we experience exactly what they experience. We experience separation, and we can begin to think about the relationships that we have, you know, even just on a horizontal basis of how we, because we're not following, uh, obeying God, we have this separation in our families, separation in our relationships, and of course, obviously, the most most important one, separation between us and God. Yeah, exactly. We say this word a lot, but we don't really break it down. Autonomous. Yes. Autonomous. We always say that when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, they chose autonomy. Yeah. Okay. Auto, that comes from two Latin words. Auto means self. Namos means law. law. Yep. They chose self-law. Yeah. So in the garden, we see there's there's two options in creation. There is autonomy or there is theonomy. Mm. Yeah. And theonomy just means God. Theo means God. So yeah. God's law or man or God's law or self-law. self-law. That's it. Yeah. And there's still really that's the that's still the two options. You go to Romans one and we say there's two things you can worship. There's only two choices. You can worship created things mm-hmm. or you can worship God. That's it. Yep. And with that comes with there's only two ways to make laws. Either the self determines the law or the man, you know, it could be collective man mm-hmm. as, in, as in like socialism and even democracy. If democracy is unhinged from any other divine source of law, then it's just the will of the people determine the laws. That would be autonomy in a sense, right? And then over and against theonomy, Mm -hmm. God's laws. So, um, so that's, that's the choice. That was the choice in the garden. And that's still, still the choice today. We see in uh, the 10 commandments that God gave um, to Moses on Mount Sinai, two tables of the law. This is a common way of describing the law, that the first four um, commandments are about God, and then the last six are about man. So again, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What does that look like? That means put God first, have no idols. You want to read it, Rob? Are you there or no? I am there, yeah. It says, uh, you, shall, um, you shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself a, cr- a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Is that the first four? That's actually, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't do the first, that's the first two. Let let me go, okay, next two. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. you Okay, so what does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, Mm -hmm. and strength? To to worship him, Mm -hmm. to reject idols. So immediately we see that there's this separation between the creation Mm -hmm. and the creator. Mm -hmm. And the creator is the only one who is worthy of our worship, our our ultimate allegiance. And what does that look like? It means obviously we don't create idols. It means we set aside the Sabbath to keep, to worship him. Mm -hmm. We set aside a day a week to worship him. Mm -hmm. 
and we don't take his we don't take his name in vain. We don't use his name in a, inappropriately. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the first table of the law. And what Martin Luther said is, you never break the second table without first breaking the first table. Sure. Mm. I can see that. Yeah. Right. Sure. So the reason we don't love our neighbor as ourself is because we don't love God as we should love God. And so once we put an idol in the place of God, then ultimately we're going to sin against our neighbor mm-hmm. in, in some way, yep. right? So, yep. so if we worship money, we might be tempted to steal, yep. right? If we worship the physical body and sex, we might be tempted to have to commit adultery, adultery yep. to have, have an affair. Yep. If we're committed, again, to materialism and the, only the things that we see, then we will be tempted to um, idolize things or um, envy. What's the what's Yeah, the, covet. 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 That's yeah. what I was looking That's for. Yep. Covet our neighbor's goods, yeah. Yeah. right? So hmm. the, the, the choice is, again, we worship God or we worship an idol. And if we worship an idol, we're going to, we're going to, there's going to be, so this is interesting. There's going to be a sociological breakdown. There's going to be society-wide problems. You cannot reject God's law and God, and because it comes from his character, and expect it to go well mm-hmm. in a society. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's more to law than just the threat of punishment. Right? There is there is more to... So why should I not steal? Why should I not go out there and steal? There's more to it than I might go to jail. Yeah. In order to steal, first off, I have to sin against God. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, we, when we push away from God, we push into darkness. We push into, into chaos. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, yeah. That's yeah. It's it's interesting when you think about it. I just think about it in terms of the societies, and societies that have some kind of um, I don't know judo Christian understanding mm-hmm. may not be a full embrace. Obviously, no one no no, no country is going to fully embrace the uh, uh, God's word just yet until Christ returns. But uh, those that at least embrace a level of understanding that there is an authority that's outside of ourselves, we see. We see good, you know. We really do. We see good laws. We could, we see good laws made by sinners, um, those who completely reject God. But yet, if they understand, you know. So I think of our own founding of our own our own country, even even where we came from, from Western culture. Uh, there is this sense of a law out without outside of one oneself. At, at least an understanding that there is a God and there is a Creator. Um, and but then you look at some of the countries that, that just seem to always be in chaos and just seem to never. Never say, and so what do we try to do? We try to import democracy into these places, but it never works or it seems to fail so often because you can't just import a political system and think that's going to make everything better. That's right. There is, it has to be an understanding that, um, uh, what's behind, what's behind that political system, you know, so an understanding of, 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 I guess what I would, what would you call it, a uh, meta uh, understanding, you know, yeah. uh, of the of the world, yeah. and and that is that there is a God. Oh and, yeah, and what's He like? Yes, so, right. So and what's He like? Yeah. Because, like a, th- I don't want to get too much into this idea of theonomy and how right. it can p- potentially play out, but it's different than 
Islamic theocracy, right? right? Well, one, it's different because the two gods are completely different. Mm -hmm. And a theocracy comes from just the top, like the top down, and it's violent, and it's brutal, and it's it squashes all other opinions, mm -hmm. right? And it's why? Because it reflects Allah's nature. Yeah. Right? And and in and in Islam, all is one, all is Allah's will, and there is no nothing outside of his will. Um and he, you know, it there is no like convincing someone into the faith. Mm -hmm. There is you can convert that person by this by the sword. That's <laughs> right. that's totally okay. Right. Because Allah is pure power, pure force, you know, yeah. where our God is quite different mm -hmm. and, and to be converted mm -hmm. to him requires, um, a wooing. It requires, I mean, it, it, the sacrificial death of the son of God and the spirit of God to come into that person and to awaken that person. A person cannot be forcefully, um, against their will yeah. converted right. to Christianity. And that would that plays out in the laws, the laws of the land because mm -hmm. the nature and character of those two gods are are totally totally different. Yeah. So, what you're describing is there is there is a whole Western worldview that has been informed deeply by Christian and Judeo Christian worldview on on the nature of reality. That all the, I mean until the Enlightenment, nearly everyone believed that there was a transcendent God. Right. I mean, at least from, from Christ until the Enlightenment, there was a transcendent God outside of creation. In the West, it was mainly Yahweh. It was mainly God. That's who they thought it was. And therefore, we can go study nature and we can learn some laws, some mm -hmm. natural laws about what he might be like. Right. But then around the Enlightenment, they said, well, we don't really need that personal God. Let's just have deism. And so around the time we're, our nation's getting founded, there were a lot of deists who still believed kind of the presuppositions of, of like Christians, we would say we agree with some, some of their, sure. their, their findings, yeah. even though they had cut off the, the personal transcendent God. They just had a kind of a deistic understanding of the world. And so that comes with, so when you have that, that view, that comes with there's creation and there's something outside of creation. Mm -hmm. You even see this in Platonic thought. Plato yeah. taught that idea, right? That yes. there was something, you know, the real right yeah. behind 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 things and when you see a leaf it's pointing to the reality something realer yeah. than the physical yeah. <laughs> presence of that real yeah. so what we what, what we would say it is there's a spiritual leaf yeah. and every physical leaf is made in the image of that that's yeah. why they're unique but we all would point at them and say yeah those are leaves okay but there is a there is a supernatural law behind that right. that law of nature right. that god put in place mm -hmm. Well, that came with an idea of um, what humans, what beings, human beings are for. Mm -hmm. That we can trust our rationality. That we can trust some of these, mm -hmm. you know, things about us that, that they come because this is how God made us. Yeah. It came with an idea of human freedom, an idea of human liberty. I mean, a lot of different worldview questions and answers that you have to have in place. Like as you said, before democracy could could truly thrive yeah. and even our, our founding fathers said that it, in, de, in democracy that democracy isn't a perfect system in democracy the people get the nations they deserve mm. or the rulers the rulers, people yeah. get the rulers, rulers. Yeah. they deserve yeah. and they said i think it was john adams said that uh democracy would not work in an immoral society mm. and so unless you have these 
Like, unless you have people that share this understanding of humanity, understand this, this, the same understanding of law, then you're actually, democracy actually won't work. Won't work. Yeah, ultimately, right. It won't work. Democ- if you have Islamic jihadists mm-hmm. in our country, it, it won't work. Right. They, they are operating under Sharia law. They're operating under a different idea of law. Mm-hmm. And so it, it won't work in our society. So I think we need to think more deeply about this concept of law that I think many of us kind of just take it for granted. Yeah. yeah. I, I confess, I remember when like, I remember, you know, I don't even know, 10, 20 years ago, maybe it was longer than that, when they're, you know, they were taking all the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses and they're moving them all. And I was kind of thinking, huh, yeah, whatever. What? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> right. Now we're like, oh, yeah. Now I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolute I, truth is. <laughs> I, I guess they had a. I guess they had a purpose behind that, and I guess they knew exactly what, what they, they were, were doing. doing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's deeply concerning. It's deeply concerning. Um, you know, because let's just take. We already talked about the, the commandment, "Thou shalt not steal." In communism. And in socialism, personal property is not a human right. Mm-hmm. It's not a human right. Therefore, the government can take from you and give it to someone else mm-hmm. if they want. And um, that is vastly different. Christians sit there and think, oh, it's not that big a deal. We're helping the least of these. That is a huge deal. That is far different than the, the Bible telling us to give away our money for charity, for charitable reasons, to take care of the poor and the widow. This is someone, some either, whatever you want to call it, you know, like in socialism, it could be this class of people or this collective humanity or in democratic society, these elected officials choosing to take something from one person and give it to someone else, which could be completely arbitrary. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of, in some sense, could absolutely be stealing, could Mm -hmm. be theft, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so we Christians, we, we need to we need to, to check our presuppositions and our assumptions again and go back and go, oh man, maybe understanding the law of God mm-hmm. and God's nature and how law flow from his nature, maybe that's actually a lot more important mm. yeah. than we thought thought it was. Right. That's right. That's right. Especially as it comes to the New New Testament when Jesus says things like, you know, I'm 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 here to fulfill the law mm. and I'm not here to set aside the law. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to try to quote that because for some reason, I always quote that scripture in, in Kings James. <laughs> I mean, you know, every jot and tittle, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't, I'm like, people always say, where does jot and tittle? I'm like, gosh, that's a King James version that I have stuck in my head. I, I apologize for, for quoting that. No. But um, the law of God, God's law shows us what human flourishing looks like. Right? Yep. It shows us what human flourishing looks like. God's law, when we preach through the Ten Commandments, I remember uh, saying the Ten Commandments are really displaying the perfect society, the, the, the just society, the holy society, a society that you want to live in. Nobody's stealing, nobody's cheating on their spouse. Mm-hmm. They love God, they worship God, they're, you know, mm-hmm. they're taking care of their friends and, and they're meeting each other's needs and they're not coveting and it's not driven. I mean, that's, it's, it's, there's a free market, but it's not like that ruthless capitalism that you're just that you're yep. you know you're you're coveting your neighbor's stuff and whatever. Yep. There's a freedom. There's a freedom in the law of God. Right. Right. There's a freedom. Now, obviously, 
we can't obey the law perfectly. We need the spirit of God to enable us to pursue the law and deceive. But when you read through the Old Testament, you just, like David, David sang love songs to the law. To the law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, he, say, yeah. he just said, oh, I love your commandments. Oh, I love your law, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think we need to, we might need to revisit some of that. Yeah, yeah I think it's important too, as I, I'm sure that many of those who are listening to this aren't, maybe have uh, political concerns as their, their major concern today, right now at this moment. They may be just a family concerns, you know, or just how do I raise my children kind of thing. And it goes back to, back to the law. Yes. You know, we, to train our children to obey the law. Uh, the yeah. Ten Commandments, and and help them to see for two reasons. One is is that because as you just pointed out a family life, so you know you can live within a maybe a culture or a place that is rejecting all of what we're saying here, but you still can create a family life that is, as Jesus would even say, is a light light on the hill. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and and you can do that by first of all, you know, really explaining to our children what is the Ten Commandments, why are these why are these important, and, and then then we can start trying to live those out. Ask them. What does it look like in our family? What does this mean in our family? You know, how do we treat one another within our own context of our own family? And then the second thing that's important for this is that as we then come to the New Testament and we find that uh, Paul writes to, to, to the Galatians who have struggled with this very thing. You introduce this whole thing with, you know, we, we have uh, many Christians who don't even understand, you know, don't understand, and many pastors and theologians who don't understand this. And that's true. Paul did too in his day. But there in Galatians, he talks about the importance of the law to help in one sense to show us our own heart and our yes. own need of Christ. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, as we're teaching our children, we can use as, as they break those Ten Commandments, however, you know, as you're talking about it within your own home of how it can look, uh, as they break those, then we can say, See, this is why Christ is so much better, right? Yep. I, we go back to Christ. We embrace the gospel. We embrace the cross because Christ was what we could never be. And that's a yeah. beautiful way of getting them there. And the law of God is not be nice. Right. There, it's very specific. Go through Proverbs and you can read through Proverbs. Yeah. There's very specific things that God requires of us. And he's showing us what a good life looks like. But as you're pointing out, when you fail that, when you spread gossip, yeah. you know, when you, when you spread gossip or your daughter is gossiping about her friends yeah. and you, you can bring her back to the law of God and said, honey, this is what scripture says that, you know, that a talebearer or a gossip separates close friends yeah. like that. That's a sin because God, that's not, God's not like that. And so we, we don't behave like that. And that failure to keep the law is what pushes people to the cross. Yeah pushes people to the gospel. So if you have no law, you have no need for a gospel. Law is the, the perfect standard of God where every single human being break is, has broken mm-hmm. and stands judged under the death penalty, yeah. just like Adam. If I don't understand that, like Adam and Eve, do not eat of that tree. There was no like, well, did, did I kind I mean... I, I didn't swallow it, you know, like, there was no, like, there was no, like, you know, like, halfway, you either did or you didn't, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's, it's that clear, yeah. it's that black and white, yeah. we tend to kind of make things so bland and so hazy and so gray and so nebulous that many of our kids might grow up and not think they've actually, I don't know if I've ever broken the law of God, That's right. Yeah. they don't know the, the very, you know, the details about, you know, like, coveting or 
or Mm -hmm. disobeying your parents, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. But if you know disobeying your parents, then guess what? Did you know in the Old Testament that disobeying your parents came with it a death Death penalty? penalty. (laughs) I mean, not, not, not really. That, that would be, so there's, there's case law underneath it where like a rebel son who was violent and he was beating up his father and he was doing, and he was like out of control like that. It could, he could be executed. It could lead to execution. Um, and in the new, and in the new Testament, um, in the book of Romans chapter one, Paul reiterates that law as if it's still in effect Mm -hmm. when he says you, they, these people do these things and they deserve to die and you guys do them anyways. And so, our, our kids, our kids, we need the law of God because that law of God drives us to the gospel. And now here's the deal. And then once we embrace the gospel and once we believe in Jesus Christ and we're justified by grace through faith, now that gospel pushes us back to the law yeah. and it shows us this is the flourishing life. This is what, this, these laws come from God's nature. This is the good life. Mm-hmm. This is how you're to live. And so go out and live like this, again, the law does not justify us. The law does not make us right with God. But once we've been made right with God, we are to obey the law. Yeah. And that's why we see so many uh, reiterations of the law of the Old Testament law in the New Testament. I mean, just over and over and over. Yeah. Even like when oh, Paul's yeah. telling uh, their, their churches to, to pay their pastors and pay them well... He uses an Old yeah. Testament law from agriculture. Don't don't muzzle, muzzle an ox. ox. Don't muzzle the ox when he's <laughs> treading like, out the grain. That was <laughs> written to farmers to 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 feed their to yeah. feed their ox while he's working. Yeah, you know. And he he does not say, well, that's Old Testament law. Get rid of that. No, he shows the spirit of that law yeah. that works within the character and nature of God. He shows that spirit and he applies it to a New Testament context. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting, I think. Yeah. Any other questions? Any other thoughts, guys? Well, I think it's interesting. He he likens pastors to oxes. Hey, man. <laughs> hard cows. work. Hard work, though. Put Bull your head headed. down and plow, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Put your head down and plow. I, yeah. I get it. I get the analogy. <laughs> oh, man. Many people think I'm a mindless ox. Anyway, so I'll just go with it there. You got anything, Kevin? That's all for now. All right, guys. We uh, know this, this new topic is going to... Uh, bring up a lot of questions, or it could potentially bring up a lot of questions. So please email us, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com or rob at sacredcitychurch.com. We want to do our best to help you answer them. Um, We love you. We hope you're growing in your understanding of God's word, and we are praying for you. Hope to see you soon. God bless. God bless.